There we go. There we are. Good morning, y'all. There we go. Howdy. I like that. I like that. Well, wasn't that fun? If you're going to play in Paso, you got to have a fiddle in the band. I am so glad that you guys are here this morning, and I, I, I got to take the hat off. <laughs> but thank you for bringing it. It's just going to get too warm in the lights. But, um, and I'm not a cowboy guy, uh, but that's all right. Thank you. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, people. Don't worry. I'm working on it. I'm a transplant from San Francisco. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> well, anyway, um, thank you, uh, band. That was totally fun and totally awesome to have all those country western theme songs. And um, my name's Kevin. Welcome to you all. Um, and also welcome to the people listening online. I know Katie Griffin and her family are, I'm not sure if they got on a plane. I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but they're either there on a plane or watching us right now too as they travel back from where they got stuck over the weekend. They didn't actually make it to where they were supposed to go. <sighs> it's okay though. She texted me this morning, like I said, life is crazy. And sometimes we worry about everything and we just have to let it go. And God will take care, so I'll get there. Um, but anyway, my name is Kevin. I'm the student ministries director here, and I like to have fun. It's part of my job, and I know that's not true of every job. So we're going to start this morning off by having a little fun. Um, I need y'all, I know, I grew up in Louisiana, so I can say that. I need y'all to look under your seat or try and feel if there's something, there's something under one of your seats. If there's an empty seat, go ahead and, and take a gander. And if you find that envelope that's under your seat, raise it up so that we can see who found it. I think it's somewhere over in this area, this service. I know, I'm sorry, I think. I'm right, right? It's over here somewhere. Come on, Stuart, find that envelope. It's taped underneath. I didn't think this would take this so long. <laughs> an envelope. You're looking for an envelope that's taped to the bottom of a chair. There we go. There we go. So you just got two free passes to the fair. <laughs> we said there'd be surprises on Sunday for Western Sunday, and that's yet another one besides the fiddling. So um, enjoy them, and if you, I know Brandon Heath's not coming back again, but you, maybe you can go and enjoy them another day or give them to somebody who will, but uh, enjoy. So today we continue our series called Baggage. And um, like we said earlier, if you have not been here, be sure to come next week when Israel preaches. He's going to finish the series out. Um, and if you have missed the, few, the two weeks that we've been here in this series already, go ahead and uh, go to our website, look at the videos or listen online. Um, they've been really good. Both Jim and Katie did an excellent job. So... It's been weighty. Baggage is weighty. There you go. I'm not trying to be punny. Um, so, in today's world, though, if you watch the news, I mean, isn't this place crazy? 
You've got ISIS, if, and you've got, you know, what happened in Dallas and Louisiana and all over the place with law enforcement officers. You have what's happening in Turkey. You've got the crazy economics of what's going on around the world, people losing their jobs, and countries and like our nation and our economics are not super stable either, right? Um, and sometimes we, you know, our fear for our jobs... Maybe there are health issues. I mean, cancer is crazy. And when I was a kid, I never heard about it. Maybe my parents protected me, but I think there's more of it today than there ever has been. Um, Maybe there, I mean, we know this in Paso. One of the biggest things I've noticed is how many broken relationships there are around us. Marriages and families. I know, we went from fiddling down to... (laughs) Um, and then, besides the craziness all around us on the outside, there's the craziness that goes on inside. Those times that we don't measure up to our own expectations of ourselves, those times that we don't measure up to the expectations of other people, on the job, at home, at school, on the sports field. And like I said, even the simple details of trying to get home when you're stuck in Ontario and you're supposed to go to Kansas or Missouri, <laughs> not going to work. Right? There's so many things that can weigh us down, different kinds of baggage. But most of the baggage that I'm talking about today deals with our future. And when we think about our future, the baggage that comes to mind, usually our fear of what's going to happen, what's going to change, what can't I control, worries... Again, fear plays into that. And doubting, you know, well, I thought it would go this way, but I'm really not sure, so I don't know if I can decide. And those different types of baggage, they wear on us constantly. They are around every day. None of us are immune. If you, I mean, I had someone tell me this week that, oh, they don't worry about anything. And then this morning when I saw them, they were like, that might have been a little arrogant of me to say. (laughs) I do, it just doesn't come out all the time, but that's okay. Um, And so I found this statistic really enlightening. It's from a recent medical study in the U.S. that almost one out of every five people have a chronic psychological disorder dealing with anxiety. So in your row, that's one or two of you in every row in this room. And I don't mean like a little bit of anxiety. I mean like, like you can go to a psychiatrist to have somebody help you deal with it. That's crazy. So whether we notice it or not, whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, this future baggage of worry wears on us all. And so how do we deal with this? Well, Bob Marley says, don't worry, be happy. And if you know about, not there yet, you can go back to the blank slide. Um, I had a picture and it didn't translate, so you have to stare at the the blank slide, I'm sorry. You know, he, he in his lifestyle would kind of allude to, well, life is so hard that you should find some way to escape it. Whether it's by a substance or whether it's by, you know, some pleasure that you can have. Live right now and forget about your troubles. Just find some way to, you know, forget about it. Escape it. Disney, anybody know where I'm going? Has a different way. Lion King says, Akuna Matata. No worries. 
Even better, let's just ignore that we even have problems. There's no such thing as worry and fear. Uh, yeah, no. And one of my students and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he was trying to be clever with this group of friends and make a joke, but it's very wise what he said. You know, because if we, we can't ignore it and we can't say that, you know, we can just go and do something else because as soon as we face reality, the worry and fear is still there. So he said, 100% of people die from dying. 100% of people die from dying. Well, that's so morbid. Uh, but, but the point is, you know, if we're not worried about anything else, we have this end game. And, and you know, we don't know what's going to happen when we die. Maybe some of us do. I hope that we do. But for many people, fear of the unknown, worry about how we're going to die, if it's painful or sudden or whatnot. You know, if we don't have a future to look forward to, then we're going to have this baggage of worry constantly. But thankfully, I have good news for you that comes right out of God's word. And that's where we're going this morning. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us an answer for this baggage of worry and fear of the future. Because he took on our sin when he, the son of God, came and he died for us and he was resurrected by the power of God. And when we trust in him, we have that future life with him. Even if we have worries today, we at least know where we're going to go in the end. So we know who wins the battle, right? And we know that we can be with him when we trust in him. So that's some good news already. But I've got even more for us. So let me pray, and then we're going to get into Scripture and see what more Jesus and God's Word say about dealing with our worry. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for every person in this room. God, I am excited to um, share with all of us, be reminded myself, of what your word says is true. God, about how we are to look at our future and deal with the anxieties and the fears and the doubts that we face every day. And I don't know where we're all coming from this morning, God, but I know that by your spirit, you want to speak through your word to each and every one of us. So help us to hear what you want us to hear, not what I'm saying. God, so that we can enjoy this life with you even more day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So what does Jesus say about worry? Well, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has a few paragraphs that deal completely with worry. It's right in the center of this giant and beautiful sermon. So I'm going to read it to you and just listen to what he says. All right, Matthew chapter 6, 25 and forward. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. So if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, about what you'll eat, what you'll wear. He says, worry doesn't do any good. You can't add an hour to your life. It doesn't change anything. And even if it did, it doesn't matter because he says, God values you more than birds and grass. Okay. <laughs> but he, he gets to the heart of it a little bit and he says that worry comes from, in, in the Christian, in the faithful person's life, that worry comes from usually uh, misplacement and priorities he says pagans, which means people who don't believe in Jesus. They look and worry about their food and their clothing. And he says, you don't need to do that. He also says it also might be for a lack of faith. So in short, Jesus solves the problem and then we can go home now. He says, just stop worrying. Just like that video from, I don't know, four months back. Stop it. <laughs> right? And he's right, we should, but it's so much easier to say than it is to do. And so instead of just thinking about stopping our worrying, which doesn't really work, I want to show you some other things that the Bible says about practically way, I mean, practical ways that we can work through our worrying. So three thoughts about working through our worry. If you have your little note card, if you can see, feel free to fill in the blanks. Don't worry, you can watch this later. Um, and so I'm getting a phone call. That is really distracting. <laughs> Apple watches, right? No. <laughs> Sorry for the distraction. Um, so three thoughts about worry. The first one comes straight out of Jesus' mouth again, Matthew chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke or my burden upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that first thought of working through worry is to come to Jesus. So often when I am embarrassed or holding on to my baggage that if somebody else knew, I think my world would fall apart, whatever fears I'm dealing with, I would rather run away than like give it to somebody, like talk about it, right? That's maybe not your case. Maybe you do like to share more than some people. But I think we all have that fear and that sense of if I am going to speak this, then it's going to be real. And yet that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Holding on to this baggage by ourselves 
well, maybe we can carry it for a while. Maybe we can carry it ourselves for the whole time of our lives. But that's not how God built us. That's not what he intended us to do. See, living life with Jesus is the best way to live. And though we might still have worry, he wants to shoulder our worry with us. And if we actually trust him fully with it, he'll carry it for us and we can let go. So come to Jesus and give him your baggage because he has a lighter load for us. And if you have this worry of the future, especially worry of what might happen when you die, worry what might happen after death, Jesus has the ultimate solution. When you trust in him, you know you can have confidence in what lies after death for you. That there is good and new life with him for eternity. What a beautiful thing. What a hope that we can have when we put our trust and fear and get rid of our worry by giving it to him. And so how do we do this? How do we come to Jesus? Well, we pray. What does that mean? It means talking to God, talking about our lives, and maybe even sitting in silence and listening. So Philippians chapter 4 has it beautifully in Scripture. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by petition, that means asking what you want to ask God for, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do that, when you trust him and give it to him, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So don't be anxious. Give it all to him when you go to him. Be thankful for what he's done and what he's going to do. And when you do that, when you put your trust like that into him, you can have the peace that only he gives because he can carry it. First Peter also says simply, cast your cares or your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And Psalm 55, another one. All these different places. There's so many of them. They're, I've referenced them in your little notes thing. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So, first thought for working through worry. Come to Jesus. Pray and thank him. Second, I need you all to participate with me. I'm going to try something. We're going to try and take a big breath together. Can we do this? Breathe in and breathe out. I'll direct us. Are you ready? You feel like you're not getting this. So, all right. Ready? Breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. I heard most of you. That was good. We're going to try this again one more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. There's something powerful about breathing slowly like that. And that's exactly the thing. It helps us slow down. It helps us be still. It helps us to pause and remember where we are and kind of change our perspective about our current situation. And this actually I find in Scripture as well. In Psalm 46, 
the psalmist writes, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations, and I will be exalted in all the earth. So breathe. That's the second thought here to deal with our worry. And, or other words, be still. And when we're being still, when we're taking that pause from our stressful situation, our worry, our anxiety, God says, remember who I am, remember what I've done, and remember who I've made you to be as well. And this theme is throughout Scripture. Uh, that this idea of remembering who God is and what he has done. But don't take my word for it. I've got a little clip for you. Hopefully this will play from one of our little ones here at Highlands. Hi, my name is Mia. Sometimes when I go to sleep, my brain can't stop thinking of scary things and and I can't stop thinking of it. And then when I feel like that, like scared and nervous, then I close my eyes and then I think about what God tells tells me and then I write it in my book. Sometimes God tells me stuff like don't be scared or don't feel nervous or scared about what you think what will happen. When I write that down, then I'm really excited to see it in the next day because it helps me remember a lot of stuff and also excited to see what I wrote. I think if people tried this or if they were scared at night or nervous, I think they should try this because it calms you down and it helps you go to sleep better. Dad, can we go to McDonald's now? (laughs) If you were to read that note, there's just some amazing things that she's written down. Pause, be still, and listen for God's truth, just like Mia, right? And remember what he's done and what he's going to do. I have like five stories here from Scripture that I'd love to share, but I can't, so I'm going to pick one. When Joshua is leading Israel into the Promised Land back in the Old Testament, he has to cross the Jordan River. And God tells him to take one person from each tribe of Israel and tell them to grab a big, big boulder from where the river normally is flowing, like in the middle of the river that God has stopped, and now it's dry. This is like the Red Sea, but a different version. And take a giant rock and carry it out to the other side. And so they do this, and at the, um, as they're you know, finishing up and all the people have crossed the Jordan River, there's now this big pile of 12 boulders. And God said, do this. Some people call it an Ebenezer. That's the like word, the old word. Um, When your kids see this boulder and wonder where it came from, or even when you're here and you're going to pass it, remember what I have done here for you. Build a memorial 
Remember what God has done. Be still. Think about where he's brought you or where he's brought his own people because you can have the same confidence when you're part of his people, when you place your faith in him. So I don't know if you do this in your family. I don't do it with my family, but I have all these different reminders in my office and around my house that I don't always pay attention to because I'm too fast and not being still. But when I see them and I'm paying attention, those reminders give me such great peace that God has it all in his control. I mean, my job here is a great example. I'll tell you that story over coffee later. Be still and remember and know who God is. And if you don't know God's character, go read Job, this man who is suffering. And at the end, God actually finally talks to him. And it's not a pleasant talk. But God's listing for three crazy chapters of all of the amazing, powerful things that he has done. And Job's like, oh, that's right. You're God and I'm not. <laughs> or, or go and read, you know, some of these psalms. Psalm 105 and 6, which almost should be one psalm, tells the story from the beginning until where they are in history of how God kept them through all these different things, Israel. And how he's brought them out of all these different pieces of slavery and bad kings and all of this stuff. Or read Isaiah chapter 40, where God basically says, I know that I punished you and put you in captivity, but now I'm bringing you out because I am the everlasting God and I do not fail. Get to know him. Remember who he is. I love this about the Lord's Supper when Jesus is having the last supper, right? One of the lines that he has in scripture, why do we do this? He said, do this to remember, right? Do this in remembrance of what I have done for you. So first, come to Jesus with everything. Second, breathe. Be still and know God. And finally, our third thought of working through worry comes from a great cowboy named Curly. (sighs) Perfect name, right? Um, And so Curly works on a ranch. He's an old guy. And these city people come and visit him with their crazy broken lives. And there's two people in this clip. One of them is talking to the other. One's just found out this horrible situation with his wife. And he's trying to get some advice from Curly. So see what Curly has to say. Cowboy leads a different kind of life when there were cowboys. They're a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. A couple of days, we'll move this herd across the river, driving through the valley. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> My wife basically told me she doesn't want me around. Is she ready? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. You spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then and then you think two weeks up here will time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. That's great, but... What's the one thing? 
That's what you've got to figure out. I love the cow in the background. <laughs> Curly says, the secret to life is one thing. And for him, it means to just pick something that he cares about and focus. But God tells us what that one thing really should be. And I skipped a verse in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount as we're going through all the worry part because it is that one thing. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Your food, your clothing, the things that you need. The one thing that really makes the biggest difference in our lives is to get our focus off of ourselves and put it on the one who deserves it. Seek Jesus first. So what does it mean to seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness? Well, it means to live with his values in mind. And if yours align with his, great. But where they don't, we need to choose his. It means focusing on, like I said, what he would want us to focus on. But to do that, we need to know him like the previous one. Be still and know who God is. And seeking in righteousness is to seek the, in the way that he would have us seek. Not to be false on the outside and just do good things, but not be really okay with it in our minds and our hearts. No, it's to have our integrity and our motives match our actions. And so when we put our hearts and our minds solely on him, we're not going to be as worried about our future. That's a huge way that we give our burdens over to him especially when we know that he is good and that he cares for us. So, Jesus says many different times, but here's another example in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. Because he knows what's best for us and he created each of us to live with him. So, I don't know where you are this morning, but like I was even worried about getting up here and speaking and I needed to remember that it's not about how you receive me and what you think of me when I preach. It's that I am sharing God's heart with you, right? And it's not about whether or not you're going to get rid of me tomorrow. I know, I trust that you're not, don't worry. And I'm not going anywhere for a while either. So don't worry about that. But instead, let's just be still. Take time to remember, to pause, and let God carry you forward. So if you are carrying baggage today, or if you've never dealt with the question of what life will be like after you die, which can be very worrisome for people, I encourage you, come to Jesus. Talk to him. Give him your worry. Give him your fears. Give him your trust so that you can have a confidence of where you will go in life after death. He is God and he is good and he wants you to be with him. So trust him and who he says he is. And if you find yourself overwhelmed by baggage of fear and worry and doubt in the future, maybe after lunch, I don't know, or maybe weeks or months from now, be still 
pause, take a breath, and remember where he's brought you and who he is and how he cares for you. Remind yourself of what's true and don't believe the enemies or his lies that sometimes creep in. And finally, for all of us, let's seek him first. Get our focus off of ourselves because when we focus on him, we have nothing else to worry about because he is the everlasting God. Like it says in Isaiah 40, this is just so beautiful and this is what I want to end on. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary when you do. And his understanding, no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And though even young people grow tired and weary and young men and women may stumble and fall, those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint because he carries us in our time of trouble and fear and doubt and worry. Let's pray. God, you are the everlasting God. You created everything that we've ever known. You created us. God, and you created us to be with you, to trust you, to know that you are good. God, so help us to come to you and with our fears and our worries and our doubts. God, remind us that you can carry it and we don't have to, that your burden is light. God, help us to be still in those times that life gets the best of us. God, to remember all that you have done and be thankful. Change our perspective, God, so that we could see you and trust in you more fully. God, give us you as our first and foremost focus. Help us to seek you and your kingdom above all else and not worry about our food, our clothing, our jobs, our relationships. God, help us to trust you and lean into you because you truly are the everlasting God. God, you do not fail us and your strong arms will carry us. So God, we lean into you. Carry us when we need you to. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.